first um, episode of um, of Popsepolis. We're going to be um, talking about the first 54 pages of the book that we've read. So, um, the first topic is um, the Islamic Revolution, right? Yes. Um, so, the Islamic Revolution was from 1978 to 1979. And it resulted in the toppling of the monarchy and the establishment of the Islamic Republic in Iran. Okay. Yeah, I had to search that myself, too, because um, I honestly didn't really understand it. Coming from, like, I've actually, like, the book doesn't explain it too well, in my opinion. Like, you have to do some of your own research. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a lot because of how, like, she's just, she's so young in the beginning. She's... If, if the Islamic Resolution started in 1978, she was only eight years old. So maybe they, she doesn't understand it either. Yeah, well, point perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, any, do any of you guys want to say something? Um, I think the thing that was most affected was that they had to change their appearance. Um, and yeah. they couldn't be in um they couldn't be in the same school as the opposite gender they had to be separated they had to wear veils and it was really different for her yeah cuz like i'm i'm not too familiar with um with islam i'm i'm not i don't really know i don't know if any of you guys are but um so it was really new to like to um really see how other people like, just how their lives, their childhoods were. Yeah, and it was probably a really big difference for her since it, it cuts to, um, the book starts right away in 1980, but then it goes back in time a little bit since before the revolution, so that we can kind of see how her life was before, and it starts, though, however, after the revolution. Or, well, not after, but... Yeah, yeah kind of yeah. after <laughs> Yeah, like during during all of it, and like you can like you can tell she's familiar with like oh like you can tell she's familiar with um like the changes itself because like she was born into religion but like obviously by calling herself a prophet I don't she doesn't truly understand. Yeah, and it seems that a lot of what she thinks is what she learned at school, which her parents don't necessarily agree with. Yeah. Which I guess it's kind of like, it's a bit like, um, I'm sorry if you can hear any background noise, but um, it's kind of like, um, maybe at our schools, I don't know. Like, we're not taught exactly what yeah, we should, we should yeah. do. In the- oh, you, you can say something. No, I was disagreeing with you. Oh, Okay. I, yeah, I agree with what you're saying about our school. It also kind of affected her family, too. Because in the fifth page, her mom had to change her hair color because she was on the newspaper. And she was afraid like it would be dangerous if they found out she was the woman on top of the newspaper. Uh, mm-hmm. Her parents so, were very involved in the... Um... And like the protests, what was the word they used? Yeah. The demonstrations. 
Yeah, so the um, the revolution included a lot of demonstrations, um, a lot where religious school students were protested and killed. And like I said, the book starts in 19... The first chapter is in 1980, which is after the revolution. And then it cuts back to beforehand. It didn't say when, but it tells like before any of that was in place. So it kind of shows that abrupt difference. I feel like she um, she wants to understand what's happening, but she doesn't fully know because her parents really don't talk about it. But she really does want to be involved and like help out her country with the revolution. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well, do you agree with her parents or do you agree with her? Because I get that she wants to do things, but she's also really young. She like when the revolution started, she was eight years old, which is mm-hmm. kind of difficult to have her be involved, especially with like the the protests, the demonstrations. It's hard to like say that an eight year old could should go. Yeah, I don't know, like. I'm for example the protests that we had like. It wouldn't be a good idea to have, like, a little kid going. It's like, mm-hmm. um, they could have gotten hurt, especially since a lot of people got hurt. But, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I still admire, like, her passion. You know, you don't see that kind of passion from, like, any average eight-year-old, like, wanting to Exactly. Learn. You know what I'm saying? I think that her parents should definitely, like, educate her. And I don't know, the protest is kind of an iffy thing, but at least she can be more involved in, at home and yeah, just like, more educated. More Mm-hmm. For sure. Wait, this is kind of off topic, but um, do do any guys know what like the word persopolis means? No. Like maybe maybe I, maybe I missed it, but like no. Okay. Wait, I'm gonna search. I'm gonna search it up real quick. Okay, so apparently it was the capital of the Persian Empire. Okay. Okay. I don't know how that's relevant. Yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's because she relates it back to how, because there's a lot that led up to this revolution, especially just because in this, you know, Iran used to be Persia, and it started oh, with wait, yeah, yeah, it started with like the Persian Empire constantly being invaded and people trying to take it over from the you know, like from 500 BC, and and she talked about that a bit in the, um, not in the beginning of the book, but in like the introduction thing. Do you guys want to move on to the next topic about her um, perspective on what's going on? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, sure. I do want to point out something. Oh, if you, well, um, about like you know how the art style is really like um like simple or like really like just like black and white like very simple drawings like Hannah just shows like how pers- her like like at the time she just took everything really simply like her view was just simply we you know what was going on was way too complicated you know yeah, yeah. I get maybe that. that was just me <laughs> yeah I get the, that. The, the situations were probably like way more complex than than uh, she shows it to be mm-hmm. and a lot of the like very um, um like i would say like emotional things she kind of just over which i get 
make sense for someone her age. Yeah, so um, speaking about her perspective, we touched on it a little bit, how she's so young in this really crazy thing that's happening. I really, that's something that affects her life a lot, you know? Yeah. And she's more, like, informed than her other uh, classmates because in the book, she went up to one of her classmates and was like, I know what your dad did, you know, like, mm-hmm. he's a very bad man. And the classmate was like, no, I didn't, my dad didn't do anything. But she was trying to inform him that, like, your dad killed many people and he did a very bad thing. Mm-hmm. And the other eight-year-old was looking at her like, no. Yeah, it I must be a confusing so. thing because since they're so young, they probably just automatically side with their parents. And especially since that's where they're getting most of their information since the school doesn't seem to be very reliable. Oh, um, I also want to, how easy, like, in, when, um, when the, um, the friend, the family friends came back from prison and, like, and she heard about the tortures, like, just how easily she just talked about it. I know, and, like, it was so normalized. I, I mean, it's, that's kind of scary to think about how that can be so easily normalized. Yeah, and she wants to use those tactics. Right? Yeah. She wants to. <laughs> and she it's weird it how her little deal. brain interpreted that as, like, something that wasn't as much of a deal. I mean, she was certainly scared, but she looked at it as more like, who got hurt the worst? Who's the biggest hero? Yeah, like, kind of like a competition to see who's, um, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's... You can tell that she's more educated because of her parents standing, you know? If her parents didn't provide her with a lot of the books that she's talking about and a lot of the references, like maybe some lower class people didn't have that. I think um, the way she sees the revolution as like standing up for her country, but she doesn't understand like how dangerous it could be. Like she wants to go protest. And she wants to do all these things. She went with her maid, right? She went out to the mm-hmm. protest and her parents found her. And they got really upset with her saying, like, you're not allowed to be outside because it's so dangerous. I don't think she could. She understood that yeah. until her parents found her outside protesting. It, it must be a scary oh. thing for her parents. But it's also, like, maybe if they had just informed her a bit more and told her why she can't go. It would have avoided the situation because it's obvious that she's passionate about what's happening. Okay. Um. Do you move on to the next one, or do you still have something to say? I'm ready to move on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like how we just mentioned the main. Did, did did we get to the part where um, with with the guy next door? No. Uh, no, that would be our yeah, third be topic. Our next topic. Oh, wait, yeah. Alright, so let's talk uh, about social class. Okay. Okay, who wants to start first? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so um, <laughs> what did, we can see one of the examples of social class when she talks about her maid. Since she um, is obviously not as high up in the social class, and they talk about her family having a lot of children, but 
she they can't support them all. Oh yeah, and like, well yeah, not really to the maid, but like how she going back to how she thought she was like a prophet, and like how like you can tell that she's not that she's a bit like more richer because she has a Cadillac. Um, mm-hmm. Like they live in a nice house, they have a maid in the first place. Exactly, um, we can tell that she's obviously from a much higher standard. And it doesn't seem as though her maid even knows how to write, which is a little bit sad. And you kind of see the how how much they vary, even though she's so much younger. Yeah, and the maid isn't that old too. She's only a, like ten years, maybe older than um, the main character, and she doesn't know how to read and write. And she's the one that has to teach her. And she kind of thinks of her as, like, a sister, and she thinks it's sad that she has to eat alone. So she completely understands, like, it's unfair that the social classes are so uneven. Mm-hmm. And she even calls out her dad at one point for for saying that social classes are bad, but also stopping her maid from having that opportunity of talking to the boy next door. But I think what she doesn't understand is that it doesn't really matter what her dad thinks. It matters what that family thinks. Because if they are really so strict about the social classes, they would have been so angry to find out that their son was talking to the maid instead of someone who's their daughter. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's just not fair. I'm sorry, what were you saying? I think it kind of sucks that, um, you know, you're just born into, like, one class. And then the family you're born to just, you know, predest like, it's just your destiny. Whereas mm-hmm. if you compare it to the country we live in right now, you know, we we could be whatever we want. We have like the power to dream. And it kinda sucks. It actually made me a little bit sad when I thought about it. Me too. It's kind of and it's not that they are forced by these social classes, but it's how it is because even though her maid went to school for a little bit, she never learned how to read or write because she was from a different area and as much as like in this country we have that freedom it's also a little restricted because if you grow up in a bad area the schools aren't as great like and you know we can even talk show that for our school currently it's in a really good area and it's a really good school and a lot of schools that people talk about not being so great are in not as wealthy areas And the difference is, like, there are still maids to this day, but, like, that's their job. Like, um, yeah, they wanted, they didn't want to, but, like, there was no other job they wanted, so they became a maid. And I guess they still, it's not as good as it should be, but it's definitely better than um, in the past. Like, in this book, she has to eat alone, and she's wait, not wait. allowed to be in love. Yeah, she was like a live-in maid and not just someone who came in there to do her job and leave. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. treated it way more fairly. Yeah, they can have their own life. And it's sad how she was a maid when she was super young. Like, she was about um, ten, eight, yeah. or was she ten? Oh. She was, like, 10 and started taking care of um, the main character. Yeah, 
she was really young when she left her family because her family couldn't support her. They had so many kids that they they didn't have enough money to support her, so they had to give her up. It kind of just shows how kids uh, in that area at that time period are like forced to grow up like way quicker than kids here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The more that we read the book, it's kind of like almost strange to see how how what they have to go through. And at such a young age, she's so young, but she understands some of these concepts that, like, I was thinking about it, like, we were in, like, the fourth, fifth, third grade when she's in this book. And it's, it, we didn't deal with things like that. It's so different. Yeah, to put it in, like, that perspective, when you put it, like, oh, yeah, like, third, third grade, like, man, that was such a long time ago. Like, I think most of us probably had, like, no concept of, the, of anything. We probably just <laughs> exactly it was like, "What am I going to do at lunch today?" And not how the world was. Yeah. It's so scary. But I wonder if she had been born in the lower class, how her opinions would be different. Especially since she probably wouldn't have access to all the books she does. Oh, that is a great point. Like, especially since she was, she read so much, like, such high-level books at such a young age. Mm-hmm. I do Exactly, she wouldn't have had that ability if she was in a lower class. It's so, it's a little bit scary to be in a lower class and not have an understanding of what's happening. And not really have the option to educate yourself, especially if you're illiterate. So, um, does anyone else have anything they'd like to add? Um, I don't think so. Okay, so I I think it's long enough now. Um, yeah, I'm in yeah. yeah, okay. So, um, I think that might be the end of the first podcast. Um, I say we did okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't have much to, yeah, we didn't have much to talk about, but, um, okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening, I guess. I'm going to end it now. Right. Today we'll be talking about, um, Greta Thunberg's speech at the UN Climate Change Summit. And how she uses ethos, pathos, and logos. Okay. So I do want to point out that she she uses a lot of emotion throughout the entire speech, a lot of pathos. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just start from the beginning. So right yeah. away, they announce her as someone who's made millions of people demand action for climate changes, which is ethos because they're establishing who she is. Yeah, her credibility. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And right away, like, 45 seconds in, she talks about how um, the experts, it's their fault for um, for her not having a normal childhood because she has to be up here explaining to people how it's bad, that how bad climate change has mm-hmm. been and how they haven't done anything about it. Yeah, she says, for more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear, showing... Mm-hmm that we're in the climate crisis. And you can kind of like feel the pain in her voice while she's like accusing these uh, 
the people in power. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like even establishing herself more is just how she's establishing that she's a young person and that she shouldn't be there dealing with these problems. Mm-hmm. She's like 16, right? I'm pretty sure she's younger. Oh, she looks younger, too. Mm-hmm. She's 17. Oh, well, oh, never mind. But, yeah, she basically, throughout the whole speech, the main things that she would say is, like, how the experts have failed us. But, like, if you look more in depth, uh, she has she's still a lot of logos. And she, has, she says a lot of information mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, she said things like, um, sorry, she said cutting emissions in half in 10 years gives a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and setting irreversible chain beyond human control. And then she, she says a lot of like facts like that and then goes into, but you know, which is said logos. Yeah. And then she goes that. into talking about emotion. Yeah, the fact that you just said, like, it is, it is pathos, because, like, when we hear, like, oh, like, our, like, our, our world, the only place, like, it's all we got is, um, getting destroyed, like, it, it, hit, it hits kind of hard, you know? Mm-hmm, because she starts like that, and then she goes into pathos, you know, she, like, tells more, talks more, and makes you feel bad, as we should. <laughs> yeah. I think she also uses some ethos, like, when she's talking, she's just not talking off her words. She's bringing up like statistics and like numbers that like that make oh, yeah, it more she, credible. She credits the um, IPCC. I don't even know what that is, but um, yeah, she she credits it. Mm-hmm. And throughout the like from two minutes up to like for like a whole minute or like more. She talks, she just gives straight facts, and then in between, she gives, like, a little pathos. Like, um, she said, 50% may be acceptable to you, but those numbers do not include tipping points, more feedback, loops, additional warming hidden by toxic or air pollution or pollutes i don't remember what she said and then she of the aspects of quality and climate Hmm. so she's like she think it might be enough for you but it's not enough for me and she's like giving facts and she's um using pathos at the same time Mm -hmm. yep and she's like using reasoning like after stating her facts by using logos She also uses the word, like, the phrase, how dare you. Yeah, I noticed that. Oh, yeah. That's a really good pathos. Pretty sure that's a meme. (laughs) She's just so passionate about it, that's why. And that's what makes the ethos, too, because she's so confident about her. Yep. Yep. Like, speech. I actually didn't know that she seemed a bit nervous. Probably she's speaking in front of, like, a lot of older people. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell her first language isn't really English. Yeah, she has, like, an accent. I I don't know where she's from. I think she's, like... She's Swedish. Oh, Swedish, yeah. Like, you can kind of tell she's, like, shaking a bit. Maybe that was just me. But, like, and, like, her words seemed a bit shaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little but bit. But she's still a really good public speaker. Yeah. 
I also noticed that she like wrote down what she had to say. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and one thing at the end that was really good for Pathos, she said, "If you choose to fail us, we will never forgive you." And that's a hard statement too. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I noticed, too. Um, she, most of the time, she was saying, you're failing us, and, like, how dare you? And especially at the end, when she's like, we will uh, never forgive you. That's what, like, really threw it over the edge for Pathos. I also noticed how she says, like, most of the adults rely on, like, the younger generation to, like, fix all the problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, how long? I'm going to cut this part out, but um, how long does this have to be? 15 minutes. Oh. How long has it been? <laughs> it's been only like seven minutes. Oh, damn. It's kind of... I mean, it's not a very long video. We can't really do much. Let's see. Um... I'm just going through the video again. See if there's anything else we could pick up on. Are you guys good with logical fallacies? Yeah. Let me see. I don't think there are any in there. Um, at like four minutes, about the, around that time, she she said like you're failing us a lot. But the one thing she says that you're still not m- mature enough to like the adults, saying like you're m- expecting us to do all your problems and it's not gonna work out because you're failing us and we can't do anything about it if you can't help us mm-hmm. out, even if you're adults, you know. I do want to point out, this is just for my background knowledge of Greta. I do know that um, she doesn't really do much. <laughs> Mostly what she does is just talk, but I I don't think she's really done much and, like, sail across the ocean or something, but I don't think she's done much, like, climate-wise, other than just... Bring awareness? Yeah, bring awareness, but, like... I mean, there's not much she can do because she's not in the position of power, you know? She's just yeah, okay. Yeah. Wasn't she nominated for like? What was she nominated for? Oh, the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh wow. Yeah, that's definitely ethos. If she got nominated for something, that brings up her credibility a lot. Mhm. Yeah, another quote from the video says that you see and understand the urgency, but no matter how sad and angry I am, you do not want, I do not want to believe that because if that is true, that you knew and you failed to act, you're evil. And that was a really, like, strong thing. And you could see everyone agreeing with her, you know, kind of nodding in the back, the professionals next to her, which can add a little bit of credibility to Oh, in the beginning, I'm just watching it again, where she says, we'll be watching you. 
Um, I think that's pretty pathos, because, I mean... Well, what do you think she means by that? Like, actually, I don't even know, but, um... I mean, people start laughing, but then she goes on more seriously. Yeah, I don't think she meant to be joking. Yeah, she looked pretty, like, she didn't expect people to laugh. Yeah. She also talks about how, like, the people in control are always worried about the wrong things instead of uh, what's important, like this um, climate change issue. Uh, When she says, we will be watching you, I think she means, like, yeah, the younger generation, you think the younger generation should fix things, but, like, we can't, so we're watching you, Mm because we're, yeah, we're people, like, we're young, but we're pretty powerful as well. I feel like that's what she meant, because she's only 17. Maybe it has to really, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, maybe it has to relate to how in the end she says, if you choose to fail us, we'll never forgive you. Like, just watching. Yeah, like, like, they're watching what they're going to do next. Isn't there, like, a clock in, like, NYC showing how, like, how, (laughs) like, like, how much time we have left? Yeah, there's seven years. When was this, when was the, uh, her speech? When did she do it? I think this was like 2019. I mean, obviously 2019, but oh, wow. before this year. Greta. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think it was in 2019. In the beginning, when uh, they called her name, she kind of. When she was trying to talk on the mic, she was kind of struggling. And oh, then yeah. right like away, this. she just said a strong statement. So people probably thought, like, oh, she's a little kid talking about, you know, what they think. And then right away, she just straight up said, like, the ex- experts are not doing anything. And I think that, like, that that's ethos because it brought up her credibility a lot. Mm. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people in the crowds were agreeing with her and clapping. So that also goes to credibility. credibility. Mm-hmm. She brought out a lot of extremities, which um, is good and bad, you know. Or not bad, but it's it was really powerful, and I think she's, she's just really good. Mm-hmm. Especially for being so young. Wait, do you guys know who the people next to her are? Um, uh, I don't. I don't either. Okay. But I'm sure since they're, you know, at the UN Climate Change Summit... They have to be credible in some way, and them agreeing with her just by nodding gives her a bit of credibility. Yeah, because they have to yeah, be like some type of official. Yeah. I think it should be enough.
I mean, we're like. Oh, we're at, we're only at like fourteen, but like we have like a minute that we spent. Oh yeah. Okay. Um. Maybe what we said about how um. Our our world leaders are focusing on the economy, and would that be logos or because like. Um, I mean, it's true. I don't know if it's if it could be considered a fact. I think it would be more logos than, yeah. I don't know the way she worded it. It's not. It's not like. It's not like it's a fact. Yeah. She like makes her um facts more emotional you know she could just be giving straight facts but she adds emotion to that that's what makes it so powerful yeah um i think that's it so um thanks for listening to this podcast and um i hope you enjoyed it okay (laughs)